What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with my man, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, how are you doing tonight? What's going on, man? What's going on? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing well, too. Doing well. We're sitting here right after the Memorial Day weekend, um, a wet weekend, a cold weekend on the East Coast. Um, it wasn't much in the way of hot dogs and hamburgers this weekend, but um, so that was kind of a, a downer. But, you know, back in the saddle with a lot going on in the world of sports. And so overall doing OK, man. You know, we're in June now. And so, you know, pennant races, not pennant race, I guess it's too early for that, right? But, you know, these games now in baseball, you know, you're, start, you're starting to see where teams are right now, right? And so that's kind of interesting. Um, I, 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 we're not going to talk baseball tonight, really, but I can't let you go without saying, how in the world do the Yankees get swept by the uh, Detroit Tigers, man? Oh, man. I don't know, man. I don't even know. Listen, I'm. my wife told me, maybe you should stop watching Yankee games because you get pretty frustrated towards the middle of the game, and then you just – you're not yourself anymore. And I think she's right, so I'm taking a little break, me and the Yankees. Um, we need some space because they're not playing good baseball right now. So <laughs> the Yankees and I are on a break. <laughs> so further notice. <laughs> You need some space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to reassess the relationship. Yeah, it's they're playing some bad baseball, man. Yeah. And I know some players are hurt, but it's just bad baseball. Yeah. Well, look, it's June, so, you know, two months are in the books. Still have four months to go. So a lot of baseball. Um, not a baseball left to be played, but yeah, right now you can't be happy. Yankee fans can't be happy. Um, and I'm not going to say anything about my Mets because last time I talked about my Mets, um, <laughs> they went on a skid. So just going to leave that alone. Um, but, you know, there are a couple of things, though, Rob, tonight that I do want to talk about uh, with you. And, and and the first is in the world of tennis, where um, top ranked player, Naomi Osaka um, has made headlines, right, by withdrawing from the French Open following, you know, comments that she made in advance of the tournament that she was not going to participate in media interviews, citing mental health concerns of athletes generally who have to participate in these interviews, but also personally. And then she followed that up by not participating in uh, a mandatory interview after her first round match in which she won at the French Open and, and um, you know, received some criticism, was fined $15,000 by the French Tennis Federation, uh, was threatened by the other Grand Slam um, organizers that, you know, she faced discipline if she continued to not participate in the media interviews and and then on uh on monday on memorial day she withdrew from the french open you know citing again her battles with 
mental health issues, even saying that since 2018, she's been battling with bouts of depression. Um, so that's a big story, Rob, and, and there's a lot to talk about with that one, but, you know, broad view, um, what's, what's your take on the Osaka story? I think it's, um, like you said, it's a very heavy topic and it's very layered. Um, but just initially, you know, her reasoning for skipping out on the media obligations and all that stuff, I think that, um, mental health is a big thing and it's something that's very serious and this is a young lady who's only 23 and she's dealing with you know bouts of depression and you know anxiety and things of that and things of that nature which are very serious you know and especially today where more people are speaking up about it um whether it's athletes or just everyday people um but i think this gives a little bit more perspective that Athletes are everyday people, you know, just because they're on ESPN, on Fox Sports, on, S, you know, on all this stuff, they're still regular people. They're still everyday normal people. They just happen to have the athletic ability to do what they do on a professional level. And I think her coming out and saying that highlights that just a little bit more for people who may have forgotten or ignored it or criticized her initially when she decided to skip out on those obligations with the media. And there were a number of people and organizations that did, in fact, criticize her. In fact, the French Tennis Federation, you know, um, after the first round match, when Osaka did not participate in the, in, in the interview, the media interviews, um, the French Tennis Federation tweeted out a picture of four tennis players who did appear at their press conferences and they tweeted, they understood their assignment or they understood the, the, the assignment, which was a backhand slap at Osaka for not showing up. And then they deleted the tweet. So, you know, that's the kind of a snarky tweet, you know, or they know what they're supposed to do kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, you had other people and, on, you know, in, in media outlets dead spent saying that Osaka was misguided and called her downright unprofessional. And so there were some who were very critical of her. Um, and as you said, I mean, these are serious issues. And, and, you know, and you can say what you want about how much, and I'm not saying you, but anyone, about yeah. how much money these athletes might make and all the rest of that. But that's not the point. And, and I do think that by her raising these issues, you know, ahead of the tournament, but more importantly, Rob, when she withdrew from the tournament, right? Because that statement was saying, my mental health is more important than this game more important than this tournament. And I have to get away and I have to take care of myself. And, you know, I think by doing that, she has really, you know, shown a light on this issue. And now people all across the sports and even outside of sports are talking about this and having a conversation about 
athletes and mental health and what, if anything, we can do about it. And I think that's a good conversation to have. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, this isn't new, you know, and, and I'm happy to see that athletes are taking that step and saying, listen, I'm dealing with stuff. Yeah, I make 10, 20, 30, 40 million a year. But I don't care about that. Like, I'm dealing with some internal struggles. I don't know how to deal with them. And just because I'm an athlete and I play at the highest level doesn't mean I'm immune to what everybody else can get. You know, I, I can still deal have these mental issues. Um, my mental health may be at risk and things of that nature. So I'm happy to see athletes stepping up, especially big-name athletes you know, that are in the spotlight already, them coming out to say things like this, I think it starts the conversation, like you said, and it's a conversation that needs to continue. And things need to change in across sports in general to help these athletes deal with these, you know, with the, with the mental health issues. And, you know, Rob, um, some of the comments have focused on the interplay of athletes competing and then athletes participating in press coverage of the events and saying they go hand in hand and they're all part of the process. They're all part of the ecosystem, right? That the media brings exposure to the sport, brings exposure to the athlete. That helps the sport and the athlete to make money and part and parcel of that calculus is that athletes have an obligation to cooperate and participate in press conferences and in media events. And it's all part of the process. And as a professional athlete, you know what you signed up for. And you can't take the good, you can't take the publicity you can't take the positive stories and go on your merry way without fulfilling the other side of the coin and your obligations to give media interviews and so forth. And I think we can understand how this whole ecosystem works, and that's fine. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that the issues that Osaka has highlighted do not need to be addressed. And it doesn't mean that this ecosystem is operating perfectly as if it doesn't, maybe it needs a tune-up, maybe it needs modifications, maybe there need to be some tweaks to the process, some safeguards, some protocols, some resources that help athletes who are having issues like Osaka is having apparently. And so I don't think they're mutually exclusive, right? So we can understand the media obligations athletes have, but at the same time saying, but we still have to be mindful of mental health issues and pressures and those types of things and provide help to athletes where needed. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I'll even take it, and maybe this relates, maybe it doesn't, but even throughout the COVID pandemic, we saw a lot of different jobs in different industries, adjust to the fact that things have to go remote in order to continue. 
So they found ways to make it work. They changed the way they do business. They changed, you know, I'll use your word, the ecosystem of the way you work in order to continue business and make sure that everyone has what they need to be successful at, you know, whatever their job is. And there's no reason to think that the way sports runs their media stuff or whatever it is, there's no reason to believe that that can change in order to help these athletes succeed at their obligation of talking to the media, you know, whether it's before or after, you know, their, their professional events. So I'm pretty sure there's ways, and I don't have the answers here, <laughs> you know, I wish I did, but I think there's a way, there, there's, there has to be a way to adjust what you already have in place to better fit, you know, what, what athletes are going through. There has to be a way. And Asaka, in, in announcing that she was withdrawing from the Open, she said that when the time was right, you know, she wanted to work with the tennis tour to explore ways to make things better for the players, to make things better for the fans and for the for the media. Uh, understanding that there is a balance that needs to be struck. So she's not asking, you know, for special rules for herself. She's not asking for a pass, you know, to say, well, we just shouldn't have to participate in the media, even though at first that's what she said coming into the tournament, that she wasn't going to do that. but then being fined and, and, and so forth, she then made another decision that was to withdraw. But upon withdrawing, she has noted that there's a need to strike a compromise and a balance, you know? And mm-hmm. so she said she looks forward to working with the tour to begin discussing ways to, you know, to reach that balance. And I think that, I think the tour needs to take her up on it. I think, Athletes need to be involved, not just in tennis, but, you know, in, in all sports. They need to be involved in, in the discussion. Uh, league bodies and governing bodies need to be obviously a part of the discussion. But, Rob, I really believe that mental health professionals have to be front and center. And I know they are to varying degrees in some of these sports, but to whatever degree in whatever sport mental health professionals are are engaged, I believe that that engagement needs to increase because these are real issues given the demands on these athletes, not only on the court, but off. Um, And so, you know, I I really would like to see at some point a, a, a real change with all the stakeholders involved coming and trying to figure this thing out. Yeah, definitely agree, man. Listen, athletes put in so much time and work to get their bodies ready for for the sport that sometimes maybe the mental health and the emotional aspect of it gets left behind a little bit. And I think that's where, to your point, where mental health professionals, you know, can be involved to make sure that the mental side of the sport and the physical continue on the same path, you know, and not one is lacking more than the other. And I think organizations, teams, leagues, whatever the case may be, they have to invest in these mental health professionals because it's it's much needed. It's needed. Yeah, and you know, Rob, earlier you said 
you noted that she's 23 and you know she's obviously a young a young woman talented athlete elite tennis player ranked number two in the world grand slam champion um endorsements prize money successful in her chosen field at a young age seems to have it all right yeah and and yet she's saying i've been battling bouts of depression and she even said since the u.s open in 2018 so since you know a, a point in her life of tremendous success and accomplishment she's been battling depression because of these obligations and and to me rob you know what that should be a warning to parents and and the reason why i say that parents who are pushing their kids to mm-hmm. achieve you know to go after the gold ring to go after the prize whether that prize is a scholarship whether that prize is the pro ranks whether it's in sports whether it's in music you know what i mean or entertainment whatever but you know yeah. There's this big push, little Johnny and little Sally, you know, you know, they have to go out there and compete in, in lacrosse, soccer, volleyball, baseball, whatever the sport. Right. And everybody's pushing, pushing, pushing to, you know, to develop the athlete, the athletic prowess, special lessons and trainers and this and that and the other. Right. Yeah. Um, but we, I think parents need to be careful here, too, because. As you said, 23 years old, she seems to have everything, but yet she's battling these issues um, because maybe there was an imbalance along the way. Because I think if you're going to get at that elite level, the 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 focus on the physical outweighs the the focus on the mental. It just does. Yeah, it does. And at some point you yep. have to pay the piper, you know, and, you know, for parents, I think, you know, they really need to be mindful as they go about this and anyone who's working with an athlete, you know, as they, as they progress to not overlook the mental health aspects um, of competing. Yeah. And that's huge. Um, my kid, he's, he's three and he's in, they have these little races for, for kids. It's like ages three to like seven or eight. And this is a kid who loves to run. He takes it after me, loves to run. And for some reason, at these races, he doesn't want to run. And I always, and my wife and I had the conversation of, you know, he's three. If he doesn't want to run, we're not going to tell him he should run, not, nothing like that. It's more, we're proud of you. Whether you run or not, we're proud of you. And he, and he even said it the first time. He said, oh, but puppy, I didn't run. Are you sad? I was like, no, I'm proud of you because you're here. And that's all that matters. And I said, are you happy that you're here? Yes. And that's it. And and that's big because at just three years old, he's recognizing that some people may not be happy mm. with the fact that he didn't run mm-hmm. on something so simple, a three-year-old telling me that. And I'm getting a little choked up talking about it, but um, it, it resonated with me. And not, we never put pressure on him to do to do any of that stuff. But the fact that he saw that, and I don't know if maybe he saw some other parents say something to another kid or whatever it was, but, you know, that's something my wife and I later on had the conversation of, he's paying attention to these things at just three years old. So we need to make sure that, you know, 
whether we want him to run or not, and if he doesn't run, we make sure that our body language shows that we're okay with him not running and that we continue to show him, you're fine. If you don't run, guess what? You don't run. It's fine. We'll try again next week. We'll still get a treat after. Call it a day because at the end of the day, he's only three years old. And it's crazy to me seeing that from a three-year-old and just imagining what um, she's going through at 23, fully aware, fully capable of hearing, seeing, and just everything of what she has to go through at her age. So it's, like you said, the mental aspect of sports can't be left behind when the physical is moving on up. Right. And when so much emphasis is placed on it. And, you know, that's a revealing story about your son at, you know, at at such a young age, but knowing and, and, and believing and wanting to please his parents And, you know, that doesn't go away, you know, when you're five or seven or nine or 15 or 18, you know what I mean? And and as you, as that child develops into a young person and into a young adult and then into a full blown adult. Um, And so that's why I believe that, you know, this is so important and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here, Rob, but I think it's going to be one of those situations where these leagues and governing bodies are going to have to put their money where their mouth is and make some real investment. And again, it's not as if it's not going on. So I don't want to appear that that's what I'm saying. There has been investment over the, you know, in in recent years, more and more into this issue, mental health for athletes. And that's a good thing. But I I believe an examination needs to be had, conversations need to be had, and adjustments need to be made where they're needed to put more resources, to make changes or whatever. And it's something that has to constantly be a part of the process um, because, you know, it's 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 that important. And one last thing I want to say, Rob, on the on the point of youth, you know, I, I've noticed that you know, Little League World Series, for example, right? Mm-hmm. These little kids are being interviewed after games. Yeah. You know, and so they're being treated like adults from the, even when they're kids. And, and and so I think when we see this, this whole media focus and and talk to the media is something that is starting at younger and younger ages. And for me, that exacerbates the challenges that we have in this area. And that's why I think this is very, a very important issue. And Osaka has started a conversation that I think needs to be had and we'll see where it goes. But, you know, one of the, you know, bigger stories out there right now, and it's has far reaching impact, um, not just in tennis, but in all sports and at all levels. Yes, and hopefully we see some more continued change. Yeah, no doubt. Um, second area tonight, um, and speaking of change, where we need to see some change, Rob, is with fans at NBA games. And again, not all fans, but there have been some incidents during the NBA playoffs that make you go, you know, what's going on? Ask the question, what's going on, right? Um, a fan poured popcorn on Russell Westbrook as he was leaving the court going into the tunnel, he was injured, poured popcorn on his head. Uh, in Madison Square Garden, a fan spat on Trey Young 
uh, in Salt Lake City, surprise, surprise, racist comments were made toward John Morant's family. Um, uh, what else do we have? Oh, the bottle throwing. Kyrie, in Boston, yeah. a fan throwing a bottle of water at Kyrie Irving as he left the court, nearly hit him. And then most, most recently, a fan came on the court in D.C. during a game between the Wizards and the Philadelphia 76ers. Rob, what in the world is going on here? Man, I wish I had the answer for this one, too, because... We lived in a world where the only access to sports, and barely, because we almost lost sports due to the pandemic, but our only access to sports was on our TV. We couldn't see games. We couldn't, we couldn't even see recreational games down the street at the park because they were all canceled. Parks were closed. So now fans finally have the opportunity to see games. And for the NBA, almost full capacity, I think, in, in every arena, in the playoffs, Like, this isn't just a random game at the beginning. This is the playoffs, man. Like, this is everything. And these select fans want to go and act a fool. There's really no other way to put it. And it's it's terrible to see. It's sad to see, like, the spitting. And that's the one of, like, we're in a pandemic still, first of all. And that's disgusting in general. But spitting on a player is, is disrespectful, you know, throwing stuff at people. And then here's here's my thing. If... Westbrook, who's been a victim of this stuff for years now, people continue to come at Westbrook. If he snaps one day and does a raw nard test and goes out there and hits a fan, everyone's going to look down on Westbrook. Oh, he shouldn't have done that. What's wrong with him? He should know better. Well, all this stuff about Westbrook, even though he's been constantly attacked by fans and criticized and said things and middle fingers and whatever, but Westbrook would be the bad guy in that situation. And it's unfortunate. So I don't know what has to change, what change can happen. I'm not sure. But this needs to stop right away because now it's gotten to the point where we're expecting something to happen every game of these playoffs. There have been too many. There have been too many. And as you said, they've been coming back to back almost. And to your point, if any of the of the athletes involved acted you know in a similar fashion toward a fan so if Trey Young spat on a fan or if Russell Westbrook poured popcorn on someone's head or Kyrie Irving threw a bottle of water at a fan you know what i'm saying what would have been the result of that lawsuit by the fan maybe some criminal prosecution, depending upon if the bottle hit or, you know what I mean, or whatever. Uh, maybe the the player is suspended, you know, maybe loses his contract, loses his endorsements, and gets vilified. Yeah. That's what would happen. Yeah. That's what would happen. And so for me, Rob, I don't like that fans who engage in this pretty much skate. They have to pay. You know, I know the fan in Boston got arrested. We'll see what happens there. Um, I don't know what happened to the fan in D.C., whether that fan got arrested. Uh, Trey Young said he didn't want to press charges against the fan in New York. But, you know, something has to give here. I think these fans, if it's a criminal act, they need to be prosecuted. 
Uh, I would, you know, I would like if it was possible for them to be fined, right? If there was some code in the in the municipality where the action takes place that could result in a fine being imposed, hit them in their pocketbook. But you know what yeah. else I think should happen? These these offending fans should be exposed. We should know who they are. Tell us who they are, their names, right? Because you know, neighbors should know. If, if, if that person lives on your block or in your community, you should know that that joker lives in your neighborhood. You know, um, the employer should know that that was your employee who acted the fool last night. And maybe that person gets fired or the business owner loses some customers or something. There needs to be a price paid so that the next fan thinks twice or three times before they think about engaging in this type of conduct. You know, and there needs to be some deterrent because security is in the arena. I don't think that's the problem. Security is there. Can it be improved? Perhaps. But this is not to me about security. This is about fan conduct. <laughs> this really is about fan conduct and what yeah. can be done to alter that conduct. And I think if we're gonna alter the conduct, we may have to heighten the penalties that these fans face so that a greater deterrent is created. I definitely agree. I 100% agree. Put their face out there, put them on front street, let the world see who they are, embarrass them. They have to be embarrassed because if not, like you said, you know, shout out to the content creators and Twitter and all this stuff because they're the ones that actually show who it is. We don't get that from the leagues. It's people on Twitter who zoom in and find their stuff and, and highlight the faces of the people who are doing these incidents or the dumb actions, whatever you want to call them. But right. I, ag I agree. Yeah, put them out there. Put their face out there. Let their name be known. And, and action has to be taken. And I agree with the fine. If there's a way for teams or leagues to like maybe as the fine print on the tickets or something like that, or, you, you know, as an agreement, you agree by entering this arena that you're going to behave a certain way. And if you don't, you're, you can be penalized. You know, whether it's a monetary thing, I think they should be banned from the league in general, period. First offense, you're banned from the league indefinitely for life. But I agree. Find them, put their face up there, let it be known, embarrass them. I think that's the best way to completely stop this kind of behavior. Now, one of the things I've heard, Rob, and I'm interested in your take on this, is that by the media covering these events, they're giving these fans, so to speak, their 15 minutes of fame. And that is serving to encourage others to engage in, in conduct that's inappropriate, which is why we're seeing these events happening on the heels of prior events, right? It just keeps, seem to be going on almost snowballing. Do you agree with that? I do. I do. Because as long as there's not anything that is going to stop them from doing it, I think they will continue to do it to gain publicity. Because even the Celtics fan who got arrested, um, We'll see what happens with him, but I'm sure his friends are like, oh, man, I saw you on TV, and you got arrested. He's a 21-year-old kid. And I'm sure his friends were all thing, and maybe he'll go to school if he's in school, and 
oh, I saw you on TV, man, we should do it as a group next time, or we should do whatever. Uh, but I, I definitely agree. I think the media coverage, I don't think it, um, its intention is to make fans want to do this, but I think fans look at it in that way. It's like, oh, well, we can get on TV. Maybe they have like a, a TikTok or a Twitter page that they want to get publicity on, and they think by running on there, they're going to get that. So I, I do agree on that part, but I don't think the media's intention is to, you know, create a 15 minute of fame for these people, 15 seconds of fame, whatever the saying is. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I agree. I think it. Yeah. I think it does make fans want to do it. But like, I think kind of what you said, if they have that punishment to deal with, if they do that, I don't think we'll see any of this happening or very, very, very little of it occurring in the future. Yeah. I I, I do think that there needs to be as strong a punishment as possible. And look, there are some people, look, the people who engage in this, let's, let's be clear. Their thinking is twisted, whether yeah. in the moment or overall. I don't know. But to throw a water bottle at someone, to spit on someone, as you said, first of all, to spit on someone at any point, but in this era of COVID in particular, this is that's twisted thinking. You know, um, you know, to run on a court in the NBA or on a baseball diamond, you know, we've seen that from time to time where fans, you know, jump on the baseball diamond and run around. Um, when you know darn well, you don't belong out there. You know darn well, you know, yeah. and you're out there. Um, it's twisted thinking. And again, whether it's, you know, a person has some real deep-seated issues or a, a momentary lapse in judgment or whatever the case may be, but something isn't going Something is not being processed correctly. So that's why I said this is fan behavior. This isn't, you know, I'm not saying security doesn't need to be addressed and examined. You always have to do that. Player safety is paramount. And so you yeah. have to do whatever you can to safeguard, you know, uh, player safety when they're out there on the court, on the field or whatever. But I do believe that this is an issue of fan conduct and, um, you know, we have to find a way to deal with this and to create those deterrents to keep this from happening because it's getting to the point where it's alarming. Because if you really look at it, Rob, it went from popcorn, which, you know, you pour it on someone's head, no one's going to get a concussion from popcorn being poured on their head, right? But then it, but it, but then it went to a bottle with water in it being thrown from afar, right? And so yeah. think about the impact that that could have had. We went to someone sitting courtside and spitting on Trey Young to now someone getting on the court itself. So you can see it's getting worse, right? It's yep. it's it's progressing. And, you know, it has to be nipped in the bud. And hopefully we won't see any more of it during this NBA postseason. Hopefully we won't see any of it during the baseball season. Um, but it, it is something that I'm sure the leagues are concerned about. Uh, the players are concerned about and everyone who's involved in, in sports is and should be concerned about. And hopefully um, 
you know, we can create those deterrents. We, you know what I mean? But the leagues and, and, and those involved can create the deterrents and we can see this kind of conduct come to an end. One can hope, yeah, right? Yeah, sports got to get get their act together. We got two topics here where, you know, we want to see some some change, some good change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, brother. Well, listen, um, it was good to talk to you about these two topics. I mean, these are, these are you know, obviously important ones. Um, and we haven't seen the end of it, you know, so we'll... <laughs> We'll keep our eye on it. And, you know, as things develop on either front, you know, we'll be sure to come back and and talk about it. But, um, you know, uh, certainly something that wanted to talk about tonight and, and to get your views on. So I appreciate that. So, all right, brother, we put another one in the books. Um, That's right. You know, you, you know, in the meantime, you know, I'll... Uh, I'll keep you in my prayers, man, you know, because I know you're going through some stuff with your Yankees and everything else. And hopefully you guys can <laughs> reconcile and get back together, you know, but maybe you just need a break from the relationship. Those things happen from time to time. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. man. But, but hopefully, man, you know, they'll they'll get it together. And, uh, you know, it's a long season, Rob. So, you know, I don't want you to get too high or too low um, as we go through it. But. Listen, thanks for coming on, man. And, you know, we're going to come back again um, as we continue to, to keep our eye on the world of sports. And we'll be back next week with another edition of Sports 360.